0: So, tonight is December 9th, December 9th, 2015, and this is Part 1 of Part 2, Part 1 of Part 2. My message is called, Peru Missions, Preparation for Bringing the Good News. So I said Part 1 of Part 2 because it's kind of like lightning and thunder. you You, You can see the lightning first and then... A little while later, you hear the thunder. So my brother Daniel is going to bring the thunder. Like I told Daniel, if we're going to be called sons of thunder, we better learn how to bring the thunder, right? That's um, right. But before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you to David and Rachel Lyons because I know they'll be watching this. Amen. I want to say thank you to them for opening up their home, sharing their love with us, showing us what it is to be on the mission field full time, discipling us while we were there, and um, just teaching us what it's like to be there full-time, day in and day out. So we thank them, and we love them very dearly.
1: Yeah. We also want to thank y'all, our church, for, for watching over our families, uh, for praying for them, for taking them to museums, for taking them to the mall. Uh, we really appreciate all y'all did uh, for our families. And uh, Famous words pass away. We love our church. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. So this mission trip for me, was a little different than the one I went on with all you guys that were out there uh, that went the first time. This one was different in aspect that I learned to see things a little bit different because now I know I have a calling to the mission field. So I begin to take notes, I begin to see things that I didn't see before. It's kind of like going on a a vacation. When I was talking to Pastor Eric he said, you know, you go on a vacation you only want to see all the good things because that's what you're there for. Well this time I was wanting to take in everything, the good, the bad and the ugly because if I know that's what I'm called to, I want to be completely prepared for what I have. what God has called for me. So, while we were there, it started off great. <clears throat> you know, we had all the typical things, as, as we always do when we go on a mission field. We had the opportunity to preach on the uh, radio station in Lima. Uh, while we were there, as God would have it, the message was missions. And uh, there was a missions conference happening in the, in the city of Lima that weekend, which they invited us to go to. And we were all wanting to. Problem is, we were flying out Monday, uh, Friday morning to head down to the canyon. Uh, we also had the opportunity of meeting David's church. Um, we had a home meeting with them. And, of course, we saw the Holy Spirit fall. We, we saw the Holy Spirit do what it does. We saw healings take place. Shoulders were healed. People were uh, delivered of um, darkness and oppression in their life. And so what we do here on Sundays and Wednesdays and Monday nights and any other night we all get together, uh, we got the opportunity to see right there in Lima so if we would pull up picture number one please so what I wanted to focus on tonight was about the preparation of the mission field and I didn't want to just get up and share all the typical testimonies about the healings and and uh, the breakout of the Holy Spirit but I wanted to show you all first some of the things that impacted me uh, very dearly and, and how my focus got on the preparation of the mission field instead of just the mindset of going. This first picture is kind of hard to see but that uh, lady kneeling down is Domitila and it's hard to see but her little girl who is four years old is right next to her kneeling down on the concrete floor. What this picture is, is we were in their restaurant. We had begun to pray and uh, just begin to prepare ourselves spiritually for the rest of the day, for the rest of the time there in the canyon. And after about 15, 20 minutes of praying, Domitila comes out from the back of the kitchen where she was preparing dinner for everybody. That night was about 16 people. And this is what I saw when I was in the midst of praying and I looked up and I saw that. And just the spirit quickened me and I began to cry because I thought, wow, how beautiful is this scene that she's coming out to get prepared just like we were. And you know, I know for myself, I'm guilty of we get caught up in our everyday life doing this, doing that, and we don't take time out when God quickens us or the Spirit quickens us to pray. We just keep on going. We might say a quick prayer right at the moment, but then we keep going doing what we're supposed to be doing. And when I saw this, I thought, wow, how amazing that she is setting an example for her daughter to see what it's like to follow Christ. Um, immediately, I thought of 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul says, uh, I'm just going to tell you, he says, uh, to, follow, to follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. And I thought, man, that's perfect right there. You know, and it began to make me check my heart to say, hey, are you doing all that you need to do to be that example of Christ in your home, in your church, in your community, to where when people see you, they see Christ in your life. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16 through 17. It helps to explain this, this picture a little bit more. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 4, I'm glad somebody said there, I was beginning to wonder, y'all play quiet tonight on a Wednesday, come on now, okay, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16 through 17, ah, now that's more like it, okay, it says, of course this is Paul speaking, he says, therefore I urge you to imitate me, hmm, I remember growing up, I always heard just the opposite, Man, don't you imitate him. Don't be like him. Don't be like her. Don't imitate him. But we want to imitate Christ, do we not? For this reason, I am sending you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. Everybody say faithful. faithful. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Where at? Everywhere. everywhere. That's right. That doesn't mean just here in our church. That means in Lima, in Peru, in Amen. whichever country that God is calling us to. Wherever we go to bring the good news is where it's going to happen. Okay? It's everywhere, not just here. So I started to think am I being Paul? Am I being the image of Christ? Am I discipling somebody? Am I showing myself? Faithful in the Lord to where I can send someone else because that's what Paul did. Paul sent Timothy. but see, Timothy had to be prepared. He had to be discipled before he went. He just didn't say, uh, I'll send him. No, he sent somebody he knew would represent himself and Christ. So he sent somebody who was already prepared. That's what God showed me on this trip is that we have to be extremely prepared for when he calls us to go. So are you like Paul? Or are you like Timothy? Have you already been discipled? And that when you go, you will look like the one who discipled you? Will you look like Christ himself? Ask yourself that. See, we must never stop preparing to go. Like me, I'm ready to roll all the time. I know some of you guys are as well. And I have an analogy. Is when I was in the Navy, I remember these sonar techs. Man, they would sit on the hot seat... They had the little red button ready to flip it up, and they had the red phone. The red phone went directly to the captain. When we were in the, I was in the, in 1990 during the Gulf War. So when we were at battle, man, these guys could not wait to see the enemy because they wanted to pick up that phone and ask the captain, "Do I have permission to fire?" I mean, they were and they were itching, itching to go, ready to go. And the problem is, is this? <clears throat> they could have picked up the phone and called at any time. They could have pressed the button at any time. But if the shuttle was not prepared and the missile was not in there and the missile wasn't prepared, nothing came out. Nothing was fired. So we would not get a, tra- a chance to kill the enemy. See where I'm going? Okay. So we have to be prepared. So whenever it is time for go time, we're prepared. We're ready. We can't just step out there half, half copped basically because we will not accomplish what God is asking us to do. Right? Okay. The rest of the message, I want to address and encourage the 24 people that came down to the altar the day that David was here preaching. And he made a call for those of you who had a heart for full-time missions. Uh, when I was on the trip, this really set in my spirit because I was one of them. And, you know, God's promises are faithful. I'll tell you, in First Thessalonians 5.24, it says, The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. See, we have to be ready to count the cost of what it means to do it. And I myself, I came down and I was ready to go right then and there. But after being on this trip and, you know, this trip was about two weeks 12 days, a lot different than the trip I was on before when it was about 7 or 9 days. We had an opportunity to kind of slow things down and to see how things operated on a day-to-day basis and get to interact more with the locals, um, see how the economy worked, learn the language or, you know, hear the language and such. And I began to realize, man, not quite as prepared as I thought I was, Um, not only in his word, but also in discipleship and uh, just knowing where I am going. So that's why when I came back and I shared with this, I wanted to make sure that all 24 of you that came down, y'all really heard my heart for what a true being on the mission field is full time. Not just taking a weekend trip, not just going for three or four trips in a year, but truly being there for the rest of your life or for a year or two at a time, um, because it's real. So... I want to ask you, what are we learning at this time? What are you learning right now? What are you being discipled with? Um, Who are you sitting under? What are you studying? What are you learning? What are you doing to prepare yourself to go? It's not just sitting here on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's not just participating (laughs) in the classes just so everybody sees you there. Because I'm telling you, and Daniel's going to share, when you're on that mountain, when you're in that canyon, or wherever it is God calls you, if it's Africa, Curtis, and you're out there in the middle of nowhere, that's when push comes to shove. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you realize, man, I should have done this more. I should have done that more. Man, I should have went to this class, that class. I should have talked to this brother. I should have hung out with him. All these things start going through your mind because you realize you weren't quite prepared as you thought you were. Um, so I would encourage you, start doing some two- To four-week missions start taking some extended trips so you can see what's going on because while I was there these are the things that really stuck out to me is that I need to learn their culture you know we're in Acts class we learn about cultural references and I saw exactly why because if we don't understand how their culture operates and how they function on a day-to-day basis we're lost you know we we're only in America and that's it what we do here does not apply to everywhere else out there uh, we are different than the rest of the world. So if you haven't gotten out to see the rest of the world, I hate to tell you, it's not like America. Amen. Praise God for America. huh? Amen. The other thing is the language. <clears throat> I know I could have used a couple of my brothers here. Nick, that would have been nice to have. Baj, felt like I could have had a few of you guys just in the back pocket because I needed it. David did a great job at translating, but we do have to get to know the language. And I was sharing with Pastor Eric that, you know, right now in our church we're learning Paleo-Hebrew. We're all kind of excited about that. And what it does for me personally is it takes the language of God and makes it a deeper meaning. It makes it mean something deeper than what I read on on the page here. As it is with their language, whatever country we go to, we have to understand their language so we can understand their heart about what they're speaking to us. We can't just hear the words. They have to resonate in our heart. The other thing is their way of life. We learn that when we're yoked with a rabbi or we're yoked with our pastors, we're learning their way of life. Again, just going to plug the Acts class one more time because I enjoyed it thoroughly and it is helping me prepare, right? It it, it tremendously has helped us. I know from when I went on the first trip to this one, just by taking that class, I felt more prepared. (laughs) However, going for a longer time, we weren't prepared, huh? Um, also, also, their theology, and we have to understand the country we're going to, and to what their beliefs are, what their theology is, because where we went in the canyon, they believe there's a creator. The problem is, is they still worship the creation, and not the creator. Um, They still believe in the mountain spirits. They still offer sacrifices, not human sacrifices, but sacrifices uh, to the mountain spirits, usually the highest mountain there. Um, Problem is, we didn't see too much of the Holy Spirit there. We saw mountain spirits, but no Holy Spirit. So guys, we have to continue to learn. We have to continue to prepare. We can't just stop where we are and think that we're okay because we don't know when it's our time to be called. It's kind of like sitting on the bench. Playing football, Daniel can relate to this. You're on first or second string, you're on the third or fourth string, you think, man, I'm never going to be called and I never get to play and all of a sudden the coach calls you and you're not even prepared. Your helmet's not on, your uh, mouthpiece is not in. Guys, we have to be sitting on the side preparing ourselves so that way at any time when God tells us to go, we go and we know that we're 100% prepared. While I was on the trip... I read about William Carey. I wanted to share y'all share with you his life story again. Is that, even though he's considered the father of modern missions, he was a missionary to India. Um, after you hear some of the things I'm going to tell you, you ask yourself: Do you think he was prepared? Do you think he could have done more? Do you think he should have done more? While he was there, um, his wife became ill. Her health deteriorated to the fact that where she even ended up losing her mind and then passing away. He got in debt. Uh, his son died. And all of this took place in the first seven years. So from the, in the first seven years of his ministry in India, he never saw a convert, not one. I think myself, after hearing that story, that if he would have gotten a little more in touch with their culture, if maybe his wife was a little bit better prepared... If he would have prepared the family. If he would have looked at these things that I just shared with you. And when he went. I'm not saying that that would have erased the seven years that he went through all of this. Because maybe there was a reason for that. But I think he'd have been more prepared to handle all of that at, at one time. Because seven years, I'm telling you. We were there for 12 days. And there's moments when you're going up that canyon or down. Yeah, okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> it gets hard and you think, man, am I going to make it? I couldn't imagine what William Carey felt when he was there, going through all that for seven years. But what I like about him is that he stood firm. Pastor Eric had that word uh, earlier. We have to take a new stand. We have to stand firm. And that's what our brother did. He stood firm and stayed there because he knew God's promises were faithful to him. You know, He heard the call from God to go and he went. And he knew that his word was faithful. So therefore he stayed on the field and he persevered. He persevered and in the eighth year, everything changed. He began to have a ministry. He began to see converts changed. He came up with the motto of expect great things from God and do great things for God or attempt great things for God. And guys, that's what we have to do. We have to be willing to attempt great things for God. It doesn't mean that we're going to succeed all the time, but if we don't try, how will we succeed? Right? We can't succeed if we don't try. We can't, we can't be afraid. We have to get out of our box. We have to get out of our comfort. Just like Pastor Eric was saying. We don't need the comfortable seats. We don't need the air condition. We saw that over there. The gospel will be advanced without all of that stuff. Although it was nice to have that little fan, huh, brother? Very nice. Amen. Okay. That's right. All right. <clears throat> let's look. Uh, I talked to you about William Carey. But let's look at uh, Isaiah. Isaiah. Um, Isaiah. Go to chapter 8. I'm sorry. Let's go to chapter 6 verse 8. So I shared with you a missionary that uh, wasn't quite prepared. Let's look at Isaiah, a prophet. So. You know what? I'm telling you to go there and I'm not even there. Nice. So. Even Isaiah, the great prophet that we all love to quote, even Isaiah had to be prepared. He didn't come out of the womb as a prophet. He didn't come out all prepared, nice and pretty. He had a work to go through in order to be prepared for when God asked him to go. You know, he uh, was a man of unclean lips. And we see that in chapter 6... <clears throat> Coals and fire were taken from the altar and placed on his lips to purify him and to cleanse him. And so when we get to verse 8, it says, this is uh, Isaiah. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Hmm. God's messenger. You know, I asked for the other 24 people that came down here. I know I said that cuz I have the zeal for the Lord and I want to do his work at all cost. However, after going on this trip, I realized I want to be prepared. I want to I want to go to where when I get there, I can shine the light of Christ and I can be an example of Christ. Uh, I'm not saying I won't be weak and I'll need to rely on him every single day because I will, but I want the people of the nation To see me as a messenger of God and a disciple of Christ. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So for you guys that had come up here. Did you say that? Did you say I will go Lord send me? And if so are you getting yourself prepared? I'm not going to ask are you ready to go? Because we're all ready to go. That's the makeup of the body of Christ here at this church. That's what our pastors instill in us. You know, we're not lazy by any means. You say work and we're all there. In fact, we try to outdo each other to see who's going to work harder, who's going to work more, and who's going to carry the heavier load. But that's good, good competition in the kingdom of God. So it's not a matter of are we ready to go, but are you preparing yourself to go? So just kind of meditate on that. Ask yourself that over the next couple of days. What am I doing to prepare myself to go? You know, um, is there something you could be doing a little bit more? I know I can. Could you put up picture number two, please? So there's Daniel and I. We were sharing with these ladies, and David was interpreting for us. Because, again, that's a big thing I took away from uh, the trip is that we know enough Spanish to get ourselves around town, probably even to get ourselves in trouble but but we cannot bring the gospel to the fullness to the fullness of what it needs to be brought if we do not speak the language there's a barrier there and praise god daniel was a, i mean uh, david was able to bridge that gap for us but it just shows me that that's one of the areas in my life besides knowing the word of god better is learning their language and their culture more so that's what i'm going to put my feet to the fire on is to do those things so right here We had the opportunity, I was um, teaching teaching the ladies about Ephesians 6.10, the armor of God, about uh, being prepared and ready. So let's go to um, Ephesians 6.10, verse 15. Thank you. So again, I was sharing with these ladies about what it means to be prepared and to be equipped And uh, I went through the whole teaching of the armor of God with them, used all the examples. It was cool because I was able to use things that they had there at her house. That lady that we saw uh, in the middle was Domitila's mother, which is Roy and Domitila from the canyon. It's her mother. And so, uh, yeah, Carmen. And um, so I shared with them all throughout that. And I was able to use things that they had at their own house, knives, some old shields, and different things that they had there, even their dress dress. Um, to teach him, but the the scripture that stands out is verse fifteen, where it says, "And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace." Amen. Now, because of the theme of the message, I like the NASB. It says, "And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace." Again, it's all about preparing ourselves. And at that time, we were sharing with the ladies about how important it is to get ready, get prepared, and that the armor is always in front of us. And that, I explained to them, that's why we need to fellowship with our brothers. That's why we need to rely on each other, because when we stand back to back, now our backs are covered. See, if we're just walking around with the armor of God right here, our back's Are open to the enemy. But if we stay in fellowship and communion with one another. Now we have someone watching out for our back. And we have armor in the front and in the back of us. Because again it's about getting prepared. And being ready for what God has called us to do. I want to finish up and transition to Daniel in Isaiah 52 verse 7. This was just a a scripture that kind of seemed to be the theme of the trip of what God was speaking to my heart, was speaking with Daniel. What, uh, it, was just an, it was just a scripture that, as we were studying today, which is something I was going to tell you guys at the beginning. So the name of the message is Preparation for Bringing the Good News. You ever live in life and all of a sudden you're like, oh, deja vu. I had that this afternoon. I'm sitting with the three pastors, Daniel and I, in preparation for tonight. And we are... Preparing for tonight to bring the good news. Which is exactly what the word is. I'm like, huh? Good news. I like it. All right. Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. That was kind of our heart for the trip, guys. That our God reigns. And that's the point we wanted to get across to them. And for us here in the church is to be prepared to go on the mission field. Amen. 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 All right, D. All right.
1: (coughs) (coughs) How many of y'all appreciate Buddy's word? I do. Well, you don't appreciate him like I do. This brother had to carry my backpack going up the mountain. So, uh, not the whole time. I did do half the. Okay. Uh, I had I had one foot in. All right. Um, no, he uh, he. Did. I'm grateful for him and David. Um, that was physically the hardest thing possible. Uh, so, and I'm I'm gonna humble myself and tell you. Okay. Um, but truly, we got to be prepared in all aspects. Um, that's one thing I've learned on this trip. Uh, so part B to this message is called Right Steps or Righteous Steps, okay? <clears throat> A lot of great things happened, truly, truly. Uh, there was healings. Um, people were growing in the Lord. Uh lives were changed souls were won but I want to bring out to the things that impacted me personally the things that the Lord showed me specifically that I need to work on and not just go so our first night there we did attend a home meeting with David Lyons Church and uh we, we, we were honored to be able to present the gospel, to pre- present the word, uh, and also pray for the people. Well, a kid there named Sebastian, first time there, his mother's been going to the church, uh, came to the home meeting, and he had some shoulder issues, and he got healed. We prayed for him, and he got healed. But what was better than that was afterwards I got to sit down after service and really encourage him to get plugged in. To get plugged in at the church and and start getting discipled. Because we want him to grow up and do the work. Okay? So that was encouraging to me. But here's what the Lord truly showed me. That even though we were doing the good work, we need to make sure our feet are firmly planted. I can tell you in the physical, if your feet aren't firmly planted, you might just fall off this stair here. You know? I did. But the Lord showed me that. How much more is that to my walk of faith? If I'm not careful, can my feet slip? Yeah, they can. In Psalm 73... One through three. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I was sitting up looking at this mountain that in two days' time we had to climb back up. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to see? And he brought Psalm 73 to me. So as I was coming down the mountain, we saw many tourists. They did this for fun. I don't know who would do this for fun, but (laughs) they did. Uh, I don't call that fun. Um, But they were doing it with ease. I was going to bring the gospel And let me tell you I was struggling I, my, my mind began to run And I was thinking Hey uh, How come they get it so easy uh, We're trying to do a good work And there's some, some issues we're having Or at least I'm having And uh, The Lord quickened my spirit um, It's not always going to be easy He said, but I want you to keep your eyes focused on what you're doing and your feet planted. So here's what I want to encourage you with. Are you envying the world around you while you're doing righteous steps? Because if you are, maybe it's just the right step and not the righteous step. Which leads me to my next scripture In Numbers 20, 6 through 11 Moses and Aaron went from the assembly To the entrance to the tent of meetings And fell face down And the glory of the Lord appeared to them the Lord said to Moses, "Take the staff, you and your brother get, and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community, so they can drink. So, so they and their livestock can drink. <clears throat> so the Lord showed me." <laughs> He told Moses and Aaron to speak to that rock. I saw that as a pretty pure, simple direction. You know, he said that rock. He didn't say the rock or a rock. He even said that rock. He didn't say, he didn't say the rock. So when the Lord gives you divine direction, Are you getting prepared to respond to what he said? Are we getting prepared? If he says to speak to that rock, are we prepared to speak to that rock? Verse 9. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence. Just as he commanded him, he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, we must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. What do he do differently? <laughs> he struck the rock. The Lord said, speak to the rock. Now the Lord was still faithful and still came through. But what I saw, Moses was prepared, but he wasn't prepared to take the righteous steps. He just took the right steps. Here, I'm going to give you an example. We were in... Arequipa Town Center, Town Square, not Center, Town Square, I'm thinking about Sugarland. Land. Uh, they had this older gentleman come sit between me and Buddy. And what, uh, he was blind in his left eye and deaf in his right ear. I was sitting on the right side, Buddy was sitting on the left side. It was, I mean, the way you had to talk to this guy, you had to be really direct. Uh, <laughs> it
0: was funny we told this story to david david said man i'm glad that dude wasn't blind in his ear and deaf in his eye just goodness. <laughs> like man come on
1: good thing. i didn't even know language so it worked out <laughs> uh but the lord told me to pray for the guy he said daniel pray for him and i said okay let me pray for him i asked buddy i said hey how do you say pray in spanish mm. so we weren't prepared <laughs> Uh, so I was like, all right, I'm still going to pray for him. We're, we're in this town square and there's people everywhere, pigeons everywhere. It's a whole crowded, you know? Uh, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna pray. But needless, I, I prayed, I took the right steps to pray, but I didn't take the righteous steps to pray. This is how I prayed. One of those silent prayers. One of those ones where you're like, he's not going to hear me anyway. He's not going to understand me. You know. No, the Lord said lay hands on him and pray on his eye and his ears. I didn't do though. We need to be prepared to listen to the Lord. I can tell you it's not worth it. That's still, I struggle with that today. Let's be prepared when he asks us to do something. I don't care where it's at. I don't care if you're in the States or in a different country. Let's be prepared. As I was climbing up the mountain, I realized uh, one major key point. I learned what true endurance means. I don't have it. But I'm working on getting it. Okay? Preparation. Oh, the preparation you need. So, uh, this phrase kept coming back to me time and time again, going up this mountain. Uh, Pastor Matt said it well in his message, uh, taking possession. He said, little by little. I was seriously clawing, saying little by little. I would show you a picture, but I, just, I, I don't have it. I was laid out on a rock, climbing with no bag, little by little. And it's funny. It really is funny now, but truly, <laughs> it was rough. Endurance is little by little. Endurance is fighting through the pain and suffering. Endurance is patient. Endurance comes from the Lord and Him filling you with His Spirit. He gives you fresh breath and living water to drink. 2 Corinthians 1. Six. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is, for, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. Huh. Lord, why does it have to be patient? Why do I have to endure this so long? You know, through the endurance process, it's what you call preparation. If everything was so fast-paced like it is here in America, you know, drive through McDonald's, you can get whatever you want, literally, what, five, ten seconds? uh, Would you really have to be prepared? I mean, Paul's not saying that endurance is fast-acting. He is saying it is patient. You have to work through it. It's building character. It's getting you prepared to answer your calling. Don't get mad or upset with God or your fellow brother if your suffering and comfort is taking some time. We are to endure patiently. And sometimes that's not always easy. I know, not just physically, even spiritually guys. This brings me to my last point. And y'all, this is the biggest thing that impacted me the most is meeting Carmen, Domitilio's mother woman is 79 years old, and she is filled with the joy of the Lord. Amen. She loves Jesus. Her simple prayer to us before we got there, Lord, bring the pastors so they can bring the word. What are you praying for? That's just a side note. I met this woman. Her name is Carmen. And let me tell you, I thought we were going there to minister to them. She ministered to me. She laid hands on me and prayed for me. I didn't know what she was saying, but I can tell you I felt the presence of God. Don't ever have too much pride to let your brothers and sisters pray for you. Isaiah 40 says this perfectly 1 through 5. Amen. He's prepared. Are you? Uh. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that, her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for and that she received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Sometimes we just need to comfort God's people. Sometimes we need to let people comfort us. I know Carmen Carmen needed to know that the Lord was comforting her. Church, I want to encourage you with this last statement. Take comfort in the Lord. That he will prepare you for your calling. But it takes time. So let's take the righteous steps and get prepared and not just the right steps and miss out.
2: Well, as someone who has been on that mountain and had to renegotiate with my body for more oxygen, let's just say that endurance athletes don't fall out of the sky with the endurance that they have. The more that you endure for the body of Christ, for the love of the king, the more you are used to enduring, the more you're able to endure. This might be what it means to grow up in your faith. I can't tell you the number of times the book of Revelation tells us this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints. Patient endurance might be the very best way to say in English, The biblical concept of faith. It means that despite everything you feel, despite all that your body is screaming at you, you endure and you press forward. Tonight is a night where we're going to take communion together. Before we do that, I would like to say that I'm proud of my brothers. I'm proud of them for being able to stand before you and say, Hey, it's one thing to declare that you'll go. It's another to prepare for the going. We're a ministry that does not hold people back. We don't believe we own your calling. We don't believe that this is some kind of strange spiritual amway. In fact, we want to be a step stool that you can step on to launch your calling. And yet we will have done you an extraordinary disservice If we send you into countries that you are not prepared to go into. Brother Brasso correctly put his finger on the pulse. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that prepares you. Your feet should be shed with the, or shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The thing that straightens out your walk, the thing that gives you endurance, the thing that inspires you to climb unclimbable mountains is the Word of God made real to you. It's not enough to get used to hearing it. It's not enough even to get used to reading it. You need to read it and hear it from the throne to you personally. I want to encourage you, church, as we close this message, it is one thing for God to tell you what you are called to do. It is another thing for him to tell you where you are supposed to be. Please be careful to make no presumptions. It is a very normal thing for us to know that we're called and then try to fill in all of the other gaps. And this is a very quick way to get rebuked by the Lord. Peter had an amazing revelation of who Jesus Christ was, and he got it before anyone else. He received a very personal calling. Man, I'm going to build a church on the rock that is this revelation. And five verses later, he is being rebuked by Jesus because the calling doesn't match Peter's expectations. When he decided that Jesus was Lord, when he heard it from God, he had a plan for what he thought that should look like. And when it didn't match the plan... What did Jesus tell him? You always have in mind the things of men. It takes some patient endurance. You may have to actually seek the very heart of God to get your next step. And it is such an easy thing to just presume it. But when it's born of God, no amount of affliction can unroot it from you. Israel was called of God, is called of God. There is nothing like Israel in all of the world. The one nation that God chose. Let me ask you, what has she endured for her calling? I want to end with the passage that our brother was reading. This is Isaiah 40. Back in verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people. Why do you have to comfort people? Because they were going through unmitigated hell. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service, say hard service. You want to be prepared for your calling? Let's talk about some hard service. There's a reason that prison ministry meets at 5 a.m. It's not because we couldn't do it at 6. It's because we want it to be hard. And I want to see who it is that is faithful to do it week after week after week. There's a reason we do not provide child care on Monday nights. It's not because we can't. It's not because we couldn't move it here. I want to see who will sacrifice to do it week after week after week. Because if you can't do it in this setting, you will definitely not do it there. There has been this idea that has floated around LCMF among some of the surface dwellers. When I get there, then I will do. My experience in the last 22 years has been if you cannot do it here, you certainly will not do it there. And worse yet, the same pride that caused you to think that will cause you to cover your failure when you get there. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. Daniel, I can feel for you, brother. I don't know where Buddy gets all the energy that he has. He's got the body of a Greek God, but his legs are only half as long as a normal human being. (laughs) And I've observed that a stride of six inches is different than a stride of three feet. A few of us on that mountain a few years ago were reduced to tears. Oh, when your hard service is completed, very rarely do you say, look how strong I was. When your hard service is completed, you say, look how great the grace of God is. That her sin has been paid for. Somebody say paid for. for. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, I know it's late. Actually, this is early for LCMF. And it'd be easy to tune this out. If you do, you will have missed something that you cannot find in an average commentary. Is it comforting to anybody in here if I tell you I'm going to pay you back double? Every time you, it's a two for one special. If you sin once, I'm going to punish you twice. Is that comforting to any person in this room? Let's not be sanctimonious. Certainly, it's not sacrilegious to ask the question. The way this reads in English, it's comfort, comfort. Speak tenderly to her. Her sin's been paid for. She'd been paid back double. That's not very comforting. The word in Hebrew is kefel. It doesn't just mean double. Of course it means double or it wouldn't be translated that way. It also means The doubling. So it's a distinction without a difference wrong in Israel, because we didn't have email and there was no U.S. postal mail. The way that you collected debts in Israel, a lot of things were done at the front door of your house. In fact, to be a believer was not a quiet inward matter. The front door of your house was painted with the blood that caused death to pass over. Disciples, Talmudim, were people whose way of life pointed to that bloody door. And it was obvious to the whole world. If you were a slave in the house of an Israelite, or an indentured servant, and it came time to be set free, and you loved your master and you wanted to stay, you went to the front door in front of the whole world, and he pierced your ear on the doorpost of the house. A lot of things were done at the front door of the house for the whole world to see. Your mezuzah, your calling as a nation was in the upper one third of the right hand side of the door going in and coming out in every room in your house and in your city gate to show the whole world what you were about well it turns out that if you owed a debt that what you would do with that debt is you would pin it to a man's door and everybody in the world could see eric stevens owes these debts that's a That's quite an incentive to pay your debts, isn't it? In my hometown, there was a health club. And people stopped paying to go to the health club. And the owner put a whiteboard out front and put everybody's name who had not paid that month. People quickly paid their debts. They didn't want their friends and family to know that they were not paying their bills. Well, when that debt was hanging there, The way that the creditor would show the ancient Israelite that he received full payment and show the whole world that the debt was paid is he would fold the bottom to the top and drive a nail through it. He would kafel it. He would double it. They did not receive twice what they deserved. We serve a God of justice. He paid their debt and he doubled over the bill showing the whole world you owe nothing i have redeemed you oh is it worth is it worth preparing for the work that a god like that has for you we're going to begin to take communion in a moment and it's with a knowledge that you had a very specific list of debts And if they weren't obvious to the whole world, they should have been. Most of the time, your sin debt is obvious to everybody but you. And then the King of Kings did not redeem you in some private corner somewhere. Salvation was anything but a private and personal matter. He took your debt and nailed it to a cross that was a bloody doorpost. He doubled it over, the end from the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega. The one who was, is, and is to come saved you and showed your debt paid before the whole world. As we begin to worship Him, as we begin to consider that the body and blood of Jesus pays your debt, on a night when we're recapping missions, how can we not consider what we are willing to do to bring that message to the rest of the world? And isn't it worth making sure that you have the entire message, that you have the whole way of life down? In Matthew 28, 20, we all know that Jesus said, go into all the nations. By the time we get to Acts 2, 10 years have passed. No, Eric, only 50 days have passed. Yes, this is true. Only 50 50 days have passed between the crucifixion and Pentecost, but 10 years would pass from the forming of the church to the very first missionary journeys. Say, why the delay? Because being saved and being filled with the Holy Ghost were not enough. They had to spend 10 years Years living in community with each other. They learned what it was to settle a dispute between Hebraic Jews and Grecian Jews over the distribution of food with widows. They learned what it was to see Ananias and Sapphira struck dead. They learned what it was to see righteous James killed before a mob. They learned what it was to see Peter set free from jail by an angel. And they did it together. So that whenever they were in a foreign city on a missions trip, they knew what they were building. And when they took communion, they didn't just proclaim the death of Christ. They proclaimed the new way of life that they had learned and done together as the community of God. And they built it all over the world. So that people would not have to always go back to the Jerusalem church's founding. The very fact that we meet in the center of the pagan world right here and we do this same meal is proof that they did their work well. Three and a half years with Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, and ten years in community. And then they went. Let us not become arrogant. And believe that we are further along than we are. We are a church who says, go. But we are also a church that asks the question, who will have the will to prepare? Because the people out there don't deserve your version of the gospel. They don't deserve the American version of the gospel. They deserve the gospel that agrees with what the apostles taught, the way they lived, and the power of God to raise people from the dead. I'm one who believes there's been far too much spreading of a pansy gospel. I'm going to begin to pray. You begin to form a line. Let us take communion together. Let us examine our lives together. Let us worship together. And whether we go or stay, we will remain united in the faith. This church will seed missions on every continent. It is going to happen. This church will stretch around the world and we will never break fellowship with each other because we have in common that the King of Kings has paid our collective debt. Stand to your feet.